welcome in to another edition of BrewCast. Got a lot to get to here today. Big news coming out of the University of Michigan and the basketball program with three players entering their name into the NBA draft. We've got to talk about the Final Four and especially that national championship game. The Spring State of UM football and we're casting Game of Thrones in preparation for the season Eight premiere. I am Luke Giardi, welcoming in my co-hosts, as always, Anthony Broom and Chris Castellani. Guys, how are we doing here today? Good, man. Um, if you want, like, as we're starting to record right now, the NHL draft lottery is going on. Like, you're going to get my live reaction to the Red Wings probably slipping back in draft stock. So I will probably interrupt you at some point, but I'm doing good. It's, we have a lot to talk about. I'm excited for this show. Chris, how you doing, man? Baseball season. You got to be pretty excited with uh, how everything's kind of shaking out so far. Hell yeah. I'm watching three games right now on my uh, MLB package. Jacob DeGrom actually scuffling a little bit for the first time in ages. Uh, no, it's great. I mean, we got a we got a great show tonight, man. I mean, definitely not struggling to find topics. Um, <laughs> a lot going down, uh, both in the college basketball world, things heating up in spring. Uh, as far as spring football is concerned, so I'm looking forward to it, man. This is gonna this is gonna be a good one. Unlike last year, where it seemed like once the final four ended, we kind of hit a wall. I feel like things are all of a sudden kind of picking up again a little bit, which is strange but uh, exciting. All right, well, let's get right into it with the big news coming out of the University of Michigan today. And you know what? We usually record on Mondays. Tonight we're recording on a Tuesday, and gotta say. Uh, really happy with the decision to do that because we get to react to a, a great national championship game on Monday night. But also the big news coming out Tuesday, Ignas Brasdakis, Charles Matthews, Jordan Poole have all declared for the NBA draft. Now, does that that does not mean that they won't be returning to the University of Michigan for sure. Uh, this does not mean they are for sure gone. This is not like the olden days. Um, you can, If you get invited to the Combine, you can go undrafted and still return to school. If you don't go to the Combine, you can still pull out, even if you've hired an agent and returned to school, similar to what Charles Matthews did a year ago. But uh, your initial reactions to, to this news? Uh, my initial reaction is that the Chicago Blackhawks are going to be picking in the top three, which absolutely Oh no. Uh, yeah, they slipped. They were in 12th, the 12th place team, and they're in the top 3. Uh they haven't revealed the picks yet. Sorry. Uh my initial reaction is that I feel like all three guys are right to test the waters. I don't think like any anything none of this is unpredictable at all. I think we at least expected uh Charles it, it's been out there that Charles is was going to go pro after he graduated. Like that that's not a big development. Brasdakis, I think what I was a little bit surprised by with him was that he was just so gung ho. Like he is, he's gonna go as high as he's gonna go. Like he is, uh, he's not going to, um, he's not gonna come back. Like that is, God damn it, the Red Wings slip back to number six. Uh, uh. Oh, God, that's thank brutal. you, thank you for your <laughs> meaningless win streak at the end of the year, and that oh. I'm so <laughs> sorry. This is a Michigan podcast. We're talking Michigan basketball. God, that is so frustrating. What the hell? That's 
Oh man, all that. No, uh, glad okay, they got all to, those wins. Back to all three guys are. Uh, all three guys made the right call. Um, your stock, their stock is as high as it's going to be, and um, you know I, I don't have a problem with it. I, I think that Jordan Poole will come back now. Like 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 we said, the the twist in all this is that you can hire an agent and still come back to school. So that's not a big. Uh, you know, if you don't get drafted, it's not a big deal. Uh, but I, I will think that once he tests the waters, I think it will be best for Jordan Poole to come back. But those other two guys, I mean, more power to him. Uh, the thing of it is, and this was my initial takeaway, was if this year, because remember, everyone cried rebuilding year early on in the year. And then once they started to struggle, oh, remember, it was a rebuilding year. What is next year going to be if this year was a rebuilding year? Because this was a Michigan basketball team last year that – was not very deep. Um, and then now you're asking guys that, and make no mistake about it. I put my hundred percent faith in, in John Beeline, but right now, I mean, I, I don't know who the guys to step into these rules are right now. Yeah. I mean, my, my instant reaction was, uh, it, it definitely wasn't one of shock. I mean, I think we all, thought they'd at least test the waters. Um, I think we can all agree Matthews is probably gone. I think we can probably all agree that's not the worst thing in the world for any party. Not to say that he was a bad player. I know I ripped him a lot, but I feel like he... It seemed like he'd kind of outgrown the system at a certain point. Um, Brodsdakis... I would say is the most is far more likely than pool to be headed to the NBA uh, because I think he definitely believes that he can play in the NBA. I think he wants to play in the NBA. I think, and the, in the point that you brought up, uh, it was either last week or the week before Anthony about uh, the fact that he is older, uh, that he is what 20, almost 21. Right. Uh, so he, he'll, I, I think that, he turned he turned twenty on like January eighth. Oh, okay. So yeah, it, that's I I think that with that extra year of maturity, I think he probably believes he'll be able to go. Uh, Jordan Poole, I don't, I see the potential. I don't I don't think he's ready. I, I don't I don't think Brodsdakis is ready. You know, to be honest, I don't think any of them are. I I don't see an NBA in which Charles Matthews is like a getting consistent minutes to me. I, 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 and I, I know a lot of people might disagree with that. I know a lot of people like the guy, not a bad college player. Now with that said, uh, and we talked about this uh, when we met up at Chrysler, like uh, a month or two ago, Anthony, and that's that Charles Matthews isn't going to get better. So, it, it, of course, he's going to go pro. I, I would say the one that I would really just like to see to come, like to see come back, for both his sake and Michigan's sake, uh, is Jordan. I almost said Jordan Peele. Uh, is Jordan Poole? Um, I, I just I, I think he has more to prove. I think he he didn't take it. He took a step forward this year, but there were there were too many moments where he went away. And there's too much of his, he has too much raw potential uh, to not come back for one more year. But that's just me. We, uh, I, I think, I think we talked about this before too, where I think 
yeah, Jordan Poole has this reputation of, oh, he hit that shot against Houston. Like, this dude's a sharpshooter. He's a clutch shooter and all that. Um, I think when NBA teams put on the tape, and again, I, I don't, I'm not going to go where Michigan Twitter goes and be like, huh, well, huh, enjoy the G League. Huh, huh, good riddance. Huh, we'll win with who we have. It's like, no, just why can't we just be happy for these guys? Because a lot of times it is life changing, life altering money and decisions on the line. Um, I think that when NBA teams are, do turn on the tape for Jordan Poole, they're going to see what we see, I think, where a guy who is streaky, he went away. You know, the numbers were 12 there. points I think a game, averaged, maybe 11. I mean, I'll pull it up here, but um, uh, we'll see here. I'll keep, t- I'll talk my way through it here. But the, I think what, what NBA teams will see is just a guy who's streaky, mm-hmm. a guy who really just looks lost on the court at times. Um, I think that, that, like, the tape will show that. And 12.8 points per game. So almost 13 points a game. That's not too bad. Like, that's guys that get drafted fairly high that probably average that per game. But um, the way that it happened a lot of times, I think that it's a little bit misleading. I don't think that he had quite that impact on, on the team, like where he's a lead dog and a guy that, um, you know, all those types of things. I think the thing that bothers, that, that is the most concerning to me with all three guys is that Michigan's biggest problem this year was that one guy couldn't, like one guy couldn't necessarily mm-hmm. create offense for himself. And now right. all three of those guys are gone, uh, or at least testing the waters. Two of them are, um, you know, I think two, two of them are obviously definitely gone. One of them very well still could be gone. Uh, so that would be a concern to me. I uh, Yeah, uh, to be quite honest with you, I would be shocked. I, I, I would be surprised if Jordan Poole didn't come back. I, I really think he's just going to get – it's going to be similar to Charles Matthews last year uh, in the sense that he's going to go test the water. He's going to put his name through the ringer, and I think he – he is going to come back because he's not going to get the the grade that he wants. But at the same time, if any of these guys do decide to go pro and do stay pro, like I don't blame them for going and getting paid, you know, to play this game because they can work their way up from the G League into the NBA if if that's in fact where they do end up. It's not going to be the glamour, but you're going to get playing against really good competition in the G League before. Uh, you develop into a into a pretty good player. So um, I don't blame any of them for going. I thought Anthony put it real good on Twitter today. You said, if, if you're 20 years old, the NBA, or as soon as you're able to uh, legally drink a beer, you're, the NBA treats you like you're 40 years old. And that's the case for, for Brozdakis. Um, that he's, he's too old. It's weird how it works. We just live in a different age. But uh, I think Matthews and, and Iggy are for sure gone, but I would be surprised if Jordan Poole does not come back. And I think, let's say that uh, that they all go. Uh, I think it would make this year's, the the way this year ended, a much, much bigger disappointment than even we had originally thought. Because part of, like, I wasn't crushed when they lost to Texas Tech. Uh, because And a big reason for that was the fact that I felt like, okay, they're going to have a lot of their guys back. They got uh, Jalen Wilson coming in. Some they have some, it, it was still a fairly young team, especially, uh, you know, in, in the back end, kind of the, the second, third, fourth guys off the bench. 
this is going to be a really good basketball team next year. I think that loss and really the just the last the home stretch of the season will 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 hurt a lot more if all these guys decide to go pro knowing that they had this talent on their team and they weren't able to to hang any banners. Sorry, my I, I yeah, think, I, I, I agree. It, it, for me to come in there. Um, my heart hurts for the lottery. The well, New Jersey Devils I mean, have the top overall pick, uh, followed by the Rangers and the Blackhawks. So, wow, that sucks. Yeah, that's fun. Sorry, yeah. that's enough hockey talk for one week. But um, <laughs> that, uh, but to your point, Chris, I absolutely agree. I think uh, it, it does hurt a little more because uh, the future becomes a lot more uncertain. Though uh, the future also was uncertain coming into this year, you know what what was Jordan Poole going to be? We didn't really know much about Iggy other than he was a he was a highly sought after recruit. You know, we we didn't know a whole lot, and we're not going to know a whole lot moving into next season. So uh, I, I think the talent is still there. Uh, some guys are, are still on the recruiting trail. I know John Beeline's still out there on the recruiting trail. We don't know what this class finished is, is going to look like, but. Ultimately, would be disappointed to see Jordan Poole go, but uh, Charles Matthews, you know, great career at Michigan, uh, uh, even though he still gets referred to as the Kentucky transfer by anyone, you know, national media calling games. But uh, him and Iggy, I think they're gone. And you know what? Ultimately, though, it it was a fun season to watch these guys. Yeah, I mean, I wish them the best. I I think – because of the internet age that we live in, it seems that there's, you know, there's no middle ground ever, and I'm guilty of that. I'm not going to lie, but I think that, like, it's it seems like it's either one one thing or the other. Either it's I'm really happy for these guys, leave them alone, or I I hate these guys. They mean nothing to me anymore. Good riddance. Enjoy the G League. Um, it's actually very very possible to be excited and happy for these players going pro and also feel a lot of disappointment knowing that they're not going to be back. Um, But the other thing I think a lot of people in that to go off on a tangent, but I think a lot of fans, once again, I say that I've, I've been in, uh, I've fallen into this camp before regrettably. I think a lot of fans feel like, especially after the way this season ended, feel like they owe these players owe the fans something uh, like they, they, they should have hung banners. They didn't. And because of that, uh, they feel like it was something was taken and, and they they're owed something. Now I don't know you a damn thing. These guys can go pro and do whatever they want. I'll be disappointed if they do, because it'll mean the team won't be as good, but either way, I wish them the best. And I think if you, if you don't, you're just asinine. 100%. No question. And, you know, uh, there's a lot of people that are completely guilty of that. And it is unfortunate. And I just hope, you know, it, when I saw the way the season ended, the way it was reacted to, you know, with like Purdue on Matt Painter's Twitter account, I think it was, uh, I, I do get disappointed with the fan base sometimes, but it is what it is. And, and we'll definitely keep our eye on this situation as it moves forward. But I, I still think the the future is bright for Michigan, even if all three guys do go. But uh, we'll, we'll keep an eye on it. And hopefully Michigan will be uh, doing what Virginia did on Monday night. That was a, a crazy game wrapping up an incredibly magical, somewhat lucky run for Virginia. No question about it. 
Uh, but man, what a game and not really what I expected. I, I expected a lot more defense, but the offense got hot, man. That was fun to watch. Yeah, that was a much better game than listen. I wasn't, I really wasn't here for a lot of people from the national media just kind of go, Oh, well, this is get used to college basketball. Cause once the one and dones are gone, you're going to start seeing these boring, no buzz matchups. Like it's like, shut up. Like it's clear that be- like there was just such a bias towards Zion and Zion is great and so much fun to watch. But once he got knocked out, there was just this, like this attitude of, Oh, well this, the rest of this tournament's lost, but that was, um, that was such mm. an excellent basketball game. And really uh, it was the first five or six minutes were bad. Yeah. It was bad, but the, uh, the rest of the, the final 55, 50, you know, 60 minutes, including overtime, that was a terrific and, and incredibly well-played game. Um, I think that I know there are a lot of people today talking about how Texas tech, you know, they were screwed over by the um, uh, whatever it was, the replay, the overturn call, um, which they were. Uh, but at the same time, the reason they lost that game was because one, they just forgot uh, the best defense in the country forgot to guard uh, DeAndre Hunter yep. on the perimeter for the. I didn't think Hunter was going to shoot that shot, and man. Secondly, that was like, the slowest wind up to a shot I've ever seen. Well, they gave him a year to shoot it. <laughs> yeah, yeah he he literally like he had the launch angle figured out. He, he had the the arc figured out. He, he, he put was, together you know, the, the entire stack cast. Of what it was going to look like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So that was big. And the other thing, talk about a guy that people hyped up. Like, really, I had only really seen Jarrett Culver play from when he played Michigan on. Um, I'm just not impressed with that guy at all. Like, another reason that Texas Tech lost was... bad in both games. The the, the hero ball stuff killed Mm -hmm. them. Absolutely killed them. A couple of those shots towards the end of the game were just like... Man, oh man! Like I, I know he's hit some big shots this year, but um, and he did hit a few in that game. But I just didn't see it with him. It was actually those two guys off the bench that were was the reason that Texas Tech didn't even get blown out. And we're still in the game. So, uh, but at the end of the day, like Virginia, that's just the crazy thing to me is they trailed in what like pretty much the last. I think the last three games they played in the tournament, they were down with like less than 15 seconds to play. That's a gutty team that was on a mission all year. And it kind of, I don't want to say it, it wasn't like Villanova last year where they just steamrolled everyone. Right. But there was this air of like, we're not going to let this happen again. And every time Texas Tech went on a run, Kyle Guy had an answer. Uh, Ty Jerome had an answer. Um, it was it was impressive to watch. And, and it, I get I get that it wasn't sexy, but... Um, if you came out of this tournament, um, first of all, one of the from the Sweet 16 on, really the round of 32 on, one of the most entertaining tournaments that I can remember. No question, hundred um, percent. It was, it was terrific. The, the, the last two weekends, especially, were awesome. Yeah, yeah, and that that's you know we love. I've said this before here. You know we love the Cinderellas and we love the you know the UC Irvines or the the George Mason Masons. I'm just throwing names out. The guy or the you know, the Loyola Chicago's that make a run and, and go to the final four or whatever. But when you get shock early on, um, it makes for a gonna, great tournament. Absolutely. You're going to get these amazing matchups. And I thought that's what we got. And the quality of the basketball was quite high. So, you know, if your pissy whiny take coming out of it is that, oh, well, 
we had two pack line defenses playing for a national title with no stars. It's like you're like the if that's your takeaway, you were only ever paying attention to Zion and Duke all year because yeah. it was a great year of college basketball and it was a, a terrific and for the most part well played tournament, I thought. So that's that's how I feel about really the last month or so. I'm I'm also yeah. incredibly excited, and you might call me salty or whatever, but I am very happy that we're not recapping a Michigan State National Championship. Yeah, I mean, I think all three all three of us are in agreement <laughs> on that. I was in East Lansing on uh, Saturday, uh, doing some live reporting, and by reporting, I mean getting drunk and watching the game. <laughs> but uh, it was it was a it wasn't as now I know I'm sure there's been reportings of couch burnings and stuff like that. It wasn't as insane and chaotic an atmosphere after they lost as I expected. Um, and I, I, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm surprised by the reaction of some, not all, but some of the Spartan faithful who chalked it up as, uh, you know, hey, hell of a run. And I get that. And, like, if you have that take, I completely understand. And it was an amazing run. It was one of the best seasons they've ever had. I mean, you could you could make the argument that this was Izzo's second best team or at least second most successful team behind well, 2000. Can I, break, can I break some news real quick? Well, Talking I, about Michigan State. Uh, Magic Johnson, uh, this so, is from Shams, has just stepped down as the president of basketball ops of the Lakers. Is LeBron wow. taking over? Essentially, <laughs> um, yeah. He probably it's probably time yeah. for him to do that, and probably LeBron for just retire. Honestly, I think it's hilarious that nobody wants to be in Space Jam mm. with him. <laughs> that is, you know what? The more I think about it, and I, we're going off on tangent now. The more I think about it, I don't know if that movie's ever going to happen. Yeah, just because I think I think they waited too long. I just think they waited too. If they would have done it as I think as late as, if you go into production as late as do I'd even give them last year maybe I'd be like okay it's possible they should have done it probably like right after 2016 when uh, LeBron was like America's sweetheart again because he'd come back to Cleveland and won a championship but now it's like I mean he's he's on the back nine now. So it's in the movies, what, two years away. I don't know if it's going to happen, but that's side the point. Uh, I was back to the final four and Michigan state's reaction to all this. I was surprised that there wasn't more disappointment considering the fact that I think a lot of people, sorry, I, I just <laughs> ate that. I think a lot of people, including uh, myself who had to, who had to eat crow I, I had made peace with the fact that MSU was just going to win the whole thing. Like, I'd gone through the stages of grief. You know, like, I'd accepted, I'd gotten to the point of acceptance. And then, like, even when they were down by 13, I'm like, they're going to come back. They're going to come back. And it wasn't until, uh, I think it was 54-51, Matt McQuaid had an open three in the corner, a shot and a moment that he has it, come up big in so many times this year, did it about 25 times against Michigan the third time they played, and he bricked it. And I think uh, Texas Tech ended the game on like a 7-0 run after that. 
that was the first moment where I'm like, wow, they might actually lose. Um, with that said, I think ultimately it, it was a really it was a really good final four, which is something that even mm-hmm. the best tournaments can't always say. For some reason, I, like a lot of the final fours between the two final four games and the national championship, I feel like usually one of those games is good. If we get two, we're in pretty good right. shape. But this this year, I think we had probably two classics and and a good game. And last night's game was awesome. The Auburn uh, Virginia game was spectacular. Uh, you know, and, and a tournament that kind of started off on kind of a sour note uh, ended up finishing really strong. And and the one the one thing that kind of bothers me, and a lot of people have talked about this, and I tweeted about this last night, is the this happens whenever a team wins a championship nowadays is the constant searching for let's, let's find a way to make this the greatest story ever. Like, I mean, it's, it's similar to like when the Patriots won the Super Bowl this year and people were trying to say, this was the team everyone counted out. Now shut up. No, they didn't. Uh, i kind of feel that way with Virginia and I understand they lost to a 16 seed last year, but it's it's their own ineptitude that made this such a great story. Like it, they were the number one overall seed in last year's tournament, returned most of their players and won a national championship. Mm. Like that's not that great of a story to me. <laughs> I, I mean, and, and but, I, but the way that they did, it's not like they just ran through the tournament either. You know, the the three magical right, wins is, is it, it is something to the three the three best games of the tournament were were the last three games Virginia played. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I get that. It was it was an incredible that part I understand. It was it's an incredibly resilient team that in the past seemed to lack resiliency. Uh, and I give them credit for that. Uh so I mean look I'm it's weird that it's over. It I don't know about you guys. This season felt oh, yeah. longer than any other that. college basketball season. Okay, you agree, and I think part of it is this year from game one, we were in it. Yeah. Usually, it's not until like it's not until January, maybe even early February, when we're like, all right, it's going down now. Big Ten, the Big Ten standings are. We kind of know where teams lie. From this this year, right away, we knew where everything kind of stood, and yeah, it felt like a long season. Yeah, and and it, and it all goes back to the. I, I think that's really because of the way they beat Villanova and North Carolina. To be honest with you, to to your point, Chris, you know, it felt like we we're yeah. in it the entire time. So I absolutely agree. It was it was a really long college basketball season, but I'm also sad to see it go because that tournament was just man, it was it was so much fun. But a great Final Four, like you said, just three spectacular games and uh, something I look forward to hopefully uh, next year. As well. All right. So uh, Michigan announced uh, their spring game. Not really going to be a spring game. Anthony, what are what are the details on this controlled practice with scrimmage elements? Uh, Did I get that right? Uh, First of all, I'm not even entirely convinced it happens. Uh, And this isn't like inside info or anything, but (laughs) it's only because of the weather forecast. Looks like there's a good chance it's going to rain all weekend. Um which if it rains, they're not going to do this thing. 
Uh, at least they right. shouldn't. Because uh, and they yeah they, they won't. Uh, but my understanding is basically going to be pretty much what fans saw if they went last weekend. Uh, it's going to be basically a team practice with individual and team drills, and then they'll do some uh, some scrimmage type stuff at the end. I would imagine to be like um, red zone and goal line, uh, maybe some stuff between the twenties, some situational stuff. But other than that, like we're not going to get a, a straight up like uh, maze versus blue team. The teams get drafted. It doesn't look like we're going to get that, and, and I'm fine with that. Um, no, I, it it really. To me, all it really does is hammer home the point where I don't know if we should put much stock into spring football. Um, you know, if it's just going to be a practice, really, that's all it is. Is it's basically a, you know, it's it's fall ball. Like when if you played baseball as a kid, you played in the spring, but uh, you know you got some extra swings in in the fall, and hopefully you get better between uh, your two seasons. So that's um, that's kind of where we're looking at uh, the doors. The doors open at four o'clock. Practice will start around five. Uh, I wouldn't expect it to go on much longer than six thirty, seven o'clock. So you get out of there in time. Hopefully, it's maybe at least nice enough to, gosh, go hit some of the the bars, the restaurants, and, and soak in some of that Ann Arbor nightlife. Uh, so that's what it looks like. Uh, my understanding of all of it. So, so what? How are we feeling about the uh, the state of the program here in the spring? How are we feeling about it? Um, I think, I think that maybe I have, I don't want to say softened my, softened my stance, uh, but I, I just, I don't feel as strongly about what ails them as I did at the end of the year. I feel like it's a new year. It's a new beginning. Um, you know, the sins of the past can't necessarily, uh, shape the future. I think that it is a bit of a, re- a free refresh and a fresh start. And it's a thing too, where nothing I can really see, you know, we'll be there. We'll have coverage of it. We'll have guys there. We'll break down what we see and we'll tell you what we see, but I don't, I honestly can't sit here and tell you that what we see right now is going to matter much. If the offense, you know, if the new offense looks great, sweet. That's a good, that's a good thing, but it doesn't mean a whole lot. Mm-hmm. If it looks bad, no big deal. It, uh, you know, you've got five months of the season start still. So it's one of those things where, I think that kind of like last off season, we're coming off of 2017. We knew that there were changes that had to be made and in a roundabout way they were with all the coaching staff changes. Just how everything kind of worked itself out. Um, that's ex- mm-hmm. it's it's we're in a time loop. I feel the exact same way right now. In theory, everything I've heard, everything that they're doing, the changes that have made um, I'm on board with. And I think in theory, everything's good. And now it's just about, uh, no execution and, and spring football. I'm not, I'm not here to poo poo spring football and say it's not important because for a lot of guys, it, it is it's development. It's, it's reps, especially for the early enrollees and things like that. But, um, you know, I think that's just, that that's all it is to me is reps. What about you, Chris? How, oh, shit, how, how are you feeling about the, the state of football in the spring here? Uh, yeah, I, I can't really get that into spring football and, I know that might cripple me as somebody who's, you know, trying to um, report on it. If you if you get into it, that's fine. I just I just can't take much out of it, um, especially now. I I mean, it's I think it's such a a strange tradition, and I think it shows just the 
the law, the football obsession that goes on in this country. Uh, not that I'm complaining, but the fact that like, I, I don't know that there, there will be thousands of people there t- to watch a scrimmage. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and look, if you, if you like it more power to you, I mean, it, but uh, I've never been one to be able to take away much from, uh, from these games, as far as the program is concerned, I don't know. I've become so jaded. Last year, last year still lingers to me. Uh, so, um, I, I'm and I'm. We're, what is it? It's April 9th mm-hmm. right now. I'm. I, I'm. I openly admit, I am going to be a a cynical son of a bitch this <laughs> entire season. No matter what they do. I will be I will be being dragged through the mud kicking and screaming until we get to the Ohio State game and then at that point if they do something good I'll finally be able to celebrate. Like it, this is and I a lot of people might hate that but I think that's where the program is now. That they've had they've gotten back to the point of of relevancy. They got to get to the point of winning championships. I um, and no more teasing. Get the job done. So, so for me, it comes down to this. Uh, I, I, I kind of agree with with both of you, though. I'm, I'm trying to buy in. I usually do buy in uh, this time of year, but I do want to see the whole speed and space thing in action. I want to see if there is truly a, a difference to the offense because I think the proof needs to be in the pudding. You know, we hear coach speak literally all year long. We hear coach speak all the time after game spring football. Yeah, this year's going to be different. Whatever, I I, I want to see it. I I really want to see it. Not sure if we're going to see it at all in a cr- controlled scrimmage setting or how it's going to be uh, used in practice, like in, in games. Um, but but I definitely definitely want to see. But at the same time, I feel like this is a new beginning for Michigan football because there is no Urban Meyer that's going to be across the sideline. That's just how I feel. So. I'm, yeah, I'm getting, right. I, I am getting excited, and I feel like this could be the a new dawn for the for the program. Well, they say the night is what, what's the, the night is the dark darkest night? before the, the dawn. The night is always the dawn. Oh, we almost said it in unison. That would have been beautiful <laughs> if I didn't stumble over my words as I tend to do. But uh, yeah, I, I think that. I, listen, we we've you can't you can only shit on what's happened before this year for so long. And I, I'm going to be cynical too. Last year I was at the beginning. I said, I'm not going to give this team the benefit of the doubt to win a big game. And then we did. Uh, I, it's going to be the same deal this year to a certain extent, but all of the big games are coming late in the year. Um, like I said, in, in theory, I like the changes that have been made. I, I think that, um, I think that they will, reload to a certain extent. Uh, you're going to have a hard time replacing a Devin Bush, Rashawn Gary, uh, Chase Winovich. Those guys were tone mm-hmm. setters for your defense, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see the defense take a little bit of a step back. I would still think they'd be top 10, maybe top five nationally. But um, I think whatever, whatever, cause I am, I'm buying, I'll buy some stock on the speed and space stuff. Um, whatever deficiencies that the defense might have or whatever step back, I think has a chance to be offset by embracing a more modern, I'll call it a pro style offense because this is what pro teams are doing now. Um, So yeah, I'm encouraged, but I need to see it. Like if that's, 
if you want a pod that's going to just blow smoke up your rear end, that's there are other pods for that. Uh, all I can really do is tell you that, no, you shouldn't give this team the benefit of the doubt right now to win a big game. But the nice thing about it is Michigan State, Notre Dame, Ohio State, all at home next year. And, uh, you know, they, they they very much control their own destiny, as they did last year uh, and as they did in 2016. Uh, we'll see if the third time uh, is better than the last two is all I can really say about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Well, as we roll along here on Brewcast, uh, Chris, you, you're not a Game of Thrones guy, so Anthony and I, we have a, we have a segment coming up here uh, about Game of Thrones. We're going to be casting Game of Thrones as it pertains to Michigan and some of ties to Michigan in the college athletics world, and we'll get into that now here on Brewcast and have Chris back as we wrap up the pod. All right, so cool little segment here. Game of Thrones returns this Sunday, the eighth and final season after the over a year long hiatus. I'm so excited for this, Anthony. Sunday literally can't come soon enough. Oh, dude, it is. It has been almost two years now. It feels like because uh, I feel like it wrapped up in like the summer of seventeen. Um, wasn't the biggest fan of season seven just because that's been a show that has it's built up a long time and there's a lot of character stuff and a lot of development. And then season seven came, I think it was a little bit of a shorter of a season and it just seems like they sped through some stuff, but uh, so this is where we're at now. And I, I know there's not, I think there's only six episodes coming here, so it, it could be sped up quite again, but um, it's game on now. And uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm pumped for it though. Glad we get to sprinkle a little bit in here. Uh, Chris is not a game of Thrones guy. So we, excused him from this exercise would just be you and I and we do have uh, just a word of warning if, if you haven't caught up on Game of Thrones yet we do have some loose spoilers coming up here yeah. because we're gonna cast um we're gonna cast Game of Thrones as kind of Michigan related but also some college athletic stuff sprinkled in I I've got ties to kind of Michigan in all of mine here and all my casting so we, we've got a little list that we're gonna yeah. go through here so uh obviously it's- some of that and then and then we've it's, got some odds. Yeah, we'll go through the we, odds. Um, we'll go through the odds of who will sit on the Iron Throne at the end of Season 8. So, real quick, I just want to say, yeah, loose spoilers. Some of our picks may have to do with um, characters, how their arc ended, or how it's still going. Um, but let's be honest. like If you were, if you haven't made it to this segment, one, you're a fan of the show, and two... The show has been out since 2011 and you've had two years to catch up on it. Um, and I understand some people may be just like finishing up their binges. Uh, so, Hey, maybe come back to this, but uh, there might be some stuff spoiled, but you've also been here for, you know, we've, we've been without the show for almost two years. So come on. Right. Now. All right, let's, let's get into this. So first one on the list. Now, uh, Anthony said the list, I didn't get, you know, I, I didn't get a chance to fill them all out because there were some I really couldn't make a connection with. But uh, we're we're gonna go down this list in order, and then we got a couple that didn't make the list that that we thought were were pretty good ones. But we're starting with Ned Stark here, Anthony. Yeah. And you know, if you haven't seen Game of Thrones, well, it, I, I don't really care because this happens in season one. But Ned, he, he's known for his honorability. Um, it, it ultimately gets him killed season good, one good, but good soldier who uh right um unfortunately had the loyal, to a, swung upon him. Loy- loyal to a fault i would say yes and i have i'll let you go first and and the other thing is like okay 
we're not going to go too in depth with our picks. We're just kind of like, imagine pressing the info button on your TV and there's like a one or two sentence description. Like that's how far we'll go with it. Like, like for me, Ned, uh, you know, I understand he's not dead. And in fact, he's doing great things at Michigan, but the honorable John Beeline is where it comes for me because he is the, probably he is the face of honorability in college athletics. You know, I remember the story a couple of years ago about they asked who was least likely to cheat in recruiting and it was John Beeline. So he is the most honorable man. It, it hasn't been to a fault yet, but uh, he is, he is my Ned Stark because he is so honorable and so loyal. I'm going to stick with basketball. I didn't think I'm a little surprised by that, but I'm going to stick with that sport. You might even, I think this might raise some eyebrows for you. Uh, I'm going to go with Steve Fisher as Ned Stark guy who, by all accounts, is a, a great man, a beloved man. But uh, obviously with the way the whole the Fab Five stuff ended and, and all that sort of um, sort of took one, uh, took the axe or the sword, uh, so to speak, for that. So uh, my Ned Stark, the good soldier, the man who I, I would say did stuff with honor, uh, Steve Fisher. That's, that's my pick for Ned Stark. All right, I, I like it. at least a couple of basketball coaches though. We we're we're yeah. in the same same thinking there. So now we move on to John quick, Snow. This- can I throw can I throw a disclaimer in there? Like there are a couple, there are obviously a ton of female characters on Game of Thrones. Like some of these, there's going to be some. I mean, most of it males, is just going to be males. males. As, yeah, for like and yeah, that's absolutely. Not just, that's just that's not us being sexist. It's just for the entertainment of this segment. Here. I and feel like, have- but I, I feel like that's the opposite of sexist, though, right? Like, no. like every well, time. Well, people, well, right, of course, it is because you're putting a man in a woman's spot. But at the same time, people are like, oh, well, your yeah. list is all men. Um, if you have women's suggestions, tweet them at us. I'd, we, I'll keep this discussion going until Sunday because I know a lot of the topics we talk about here are like, they kind of date themselves pretty quickly. We could keep this going as long as we want to. Oh, so. no, no question. And we absolutely welcome all of your feedback and welcome your picks on these as well. So so we're rolling on to Jon Snow here. This is a tough one for me. I don't know about you. I had to think about this one a little bit. Yeah, it was tough. Um, there were a few ones on here that are very tough. Uh, I think that some of them I came up with, I, I think they're clever picks. I mean, you're ultimately the judge of that. The listeners are ultimately the judge of that. But this might be the one that I struggled with the most. Yeah, so who, who was your pick? G- give me yours first. Well, it was someone that has been mentioned already. That was John Beeline, a guy who sort of started started from nothing, came from nothing, and fair, fair. just kept chipping away, chipping away. Uh, after what we had decreed were his glory days, they had that year in, uh, what was it, 2015, 2016, or 2014, 2015, I forget which year it was, where people were kind of like starting to call John Beeline dead. They called him dead. They thought Some people thought he should have been fired, uh, but came back from the dead, Went back to the Sweet 16, went back to the national title game, got him back to the Sweet 16 this year. Guy who does it the right way and and who is, um, I think, moving forward, going to be there in the end when it counts. So, uh, and, and I feel the same way about Jon Snow. So, John Beeline is my Jon Snow. So, my Jon Snow is, um, you, you go back to last year's Michigan basketball team, and obviously the focal point was always going to be, you know, Mo Wagner and, and some of these other guys. And then comes along when someone needs a Mo, someone who was a bit of an afterthought outside of one or two events throughout the season, 
and a pretty boy like Jon Snow. I've got Jordan Poole as my Jon Snow coming off the bench, hitting the shot against Houston and being a hero after kind of being an afterthought. I mean, you think of Rob Stark, you think of Ned Stark, even Catelyn Stark and you know, Sansa, Arya, all those are Starks. While Jon Snow was kind of the outcast, this guy comes off the bench to be the hero. He's a pretty boy, just like Jon. I've, I've got Jordan Poole as my Jon Snow. I like it. Let's just keep rolling wrong. Uh, who is your Sansa Stark? I This is one I couldn't get because I'm going to be honest with you. This is, uh, this is a confession of mine. I am so indifferent to Sansa. Like, she is one of the most boring characters I've ever encountered. And you could say what you want about what she did in Season 7. She's just so boring to me that I, I literally could just not come up with anything for Sansa. Okay, well, we'll keep moving. Uh, I'll give you mine really quick, and I don't want to alienate people. Uh, So my Sansa Stark is actually Michigan Twitter, uh, because more often than not, when things don't go their way, they're they're very whiny (laughs) and at at points insufferable. Now, there is a character. There have been times in Game of Thrones where when faced with, you know, some adversity, Sansa Stark steps up and impresses you by what she's capable of. Someone that will pop up later on this list. This will all, I'm telling you, this will all tie in at some point. Uh, but my Sansa Stark is Michigan Twitter. I like it, man. That was, that was good. That was clever right there. That's thinking outside the box. I like that. There's That's a lot of that pay- on my list. That this is only the beginning. <laughs> That's why they pay you the big bucks. <laughs> all right, moving <laughs> yeah. on. Uh, we've got we've got Littlefinger up next. This one was a fun one because Littlefinger was one of the most intriguing characters to me. And so for me, I thought of how good he was at, you know, maneuvering and working behind the scenes and without really letting anyone know what his real motives are. And that's why I've got to go with Jim Hackett. You know, when he took over for Dave Brandon and and he made all the moves to get Jim Harbaugh and and get Ward Manuel to step up after him to go take the Ford CEO position, Jim Hackett, he's my little finger. That's a terrific pick. And I went little finger is little finger is a jerk and, and quite frankly, an asshole. And that's kind of the direction I went with mine. But you took the angle of, you know, guy who is pulling strings, a manipulator, uh, you know, I like that pick a lot, actually. I'm kind of jealous of it. But uh, my little finger is Dan Enos, a guy who has manipulated his way to the top. Uh, he was you know, running backs and quarterbacks coach at Michigan State, wound up being the head coach at Central Michigan, somehow parlayed that into stepping down at Central Michigan, being the offensive coordinator at Arkansas. He took a job at Michigan to work for uh, Jim Harbaugh. So his SEC non-compete would expire. And then now he is, uh, he was the offensive coordinator at Alabama. Where did he wind up after that? Um, uh, I can't even remember where he's at right U? now. Is I, he at the U? Yeah, he is at Miami. Okay. A, a guy, basically what I'm saying, a guy who has just continues to work his way. And I've actually used that term to describe him on the pod before. He's, uh, he's little fingered his way into uh, obscurity. Like he was literally... He was he was the quarterbacks coach for for Tua last year, like how yeah, does that right. guy get into that spot? He was there, the, the failing upward, like yep. the lane the, went to the school or the Lane Kiffin school of failing upward. Yeah, well, we know how uh, we know how things ended for Littlefinger, yeah. so that's kind of where my comparison stops. But yeah. um, <laughs> that's what. Well, 
So we've got to we've got to move on to Joffrey here in King Joffrey, one of the most evil characters, probably in one of the most sadistic characters in television history. I would say he, he's up there. He we sucks. got some. He's he's he, the worst, he, yeah. the worst in television history. It's not even yeah. close. Oh, I, we've well, got actually, someone on this list. We've got someone on yes. this list that was pretty close. I'm going to be Good quite point. honest with you. A Game, of, a Game of Thrones character, not a Michigan person. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Joffrey for me is someone who I found to be evil at the head of an empire that could not be taken down no matter what happened surrounding this person and they seemed to keep winning no matter what and that's why urban meyer is my joffrey Ooh, i dig it i dig it um a little bit of a different i i like how you built that up um joffrey to me this is joffrey was insufferable he was brash he was rude to people that were um working in service of him he was rude to people that weren't working in service of him and ultimately um spoiler alert uh he was poisoned and and died as he deserved to die so um this didn't happen to this person Uh, it kind of did like metaphorically speaking but my joffrey is former michigan athletic director david brandon Oh, yes, that is that's a good one, because we, we could look up at him like someone living under Joffrey's rule. Yeah. Yep. That's Ooh. where I went with it. I like that. I really do like that. All right. Theon Greyjoy, a.k.a. Reek. Now, this is I'm not going to lie. I think this one might be my favorite pick, but I want to. I'm excited. Pick. No, no, I, I'm excited because this is another one that I, I, I couldn't quite think of a parallel because Theon's arc by the way, if if you've watched the show, is so incredibly, I, I guess, nuanced. He he went from he went from a character who was, I guess, you could probably be neutral on as uh, Ned Stark's ward, uh, taken from his family after the Ironborn tried to rebel uh, against the rebellion. <laughs> you know, you went um, so much harder with like the literary stuff than I did, but I like it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm just saying, like, his arc is, is crazy because he goes oh, from is. being neutral to to hated to sympathetic, man. It, it is a crazy ride. So I, I've got nothing on this one. I'm excited to hear yours. So you didn't have one for this. So Correct. You, so what Luke did is he just he explained nuance, character development, uh, difficult. To me, Theon Greyjoy is a dickless coward. And that's why my Uh-oh. pick for that is the people, <laughs> the people from MSU Twitter who reported Scott Bell. Yeah. Okay. Yes, sir. Yes. <laughs> they are so. Yeah. E- except for the sympathetic part, I will never be sympathetic to MSU Twitter. No. I know that. That's Dickless coward. Once again, dickless coward. That's where it ended. Like, that's that's, that's, you, that's where it ended. You just wrote like an A plus book report and didn't even have a pick, and I just I went there. So. <laughs> Yep. Uh, so we've got Tyrion Lannister coming up next. And for this one, I went with Tom Izzo, and I'll let you use your imagination as to why. Okay. Uh, my t- I like Tyrion, so I wouldn't disrespect him like that. But uh, this one was hard for me. Uh, I feel like the size, I'm not, this isn't a literal size thing, although it kind of is. Uh, Tyrion is an overlooked character. Uh, people uh, tend to overlook him literally and figuratively. And I feel like people at the beginning tended to overlook Mike Hart, a Michigan running back who, uh, Oh yeah. You know, a little bit of a shorter guy, but, um, proved his worth throughout the arc of his career at Michigan. And, um, even if you go past it, like 
obviously Tyrion had some stuff where he's ended up in kind of a, a lot of different places. And, uh, but I think at some point he'll be back home or obviously that's what they're working up towards. And I think that that will be what happens with Mike Hart. I, I think he'll be back at Michigan someday. I like that. That, that, that is a good one. And I will say that even though I made Tom Izzo, my Tyrion, Tyrion is one of my favorite characters in yeah. game of Thrones. So that's, that's right. a, that's a disclaimer. We're not going to bat a thousand on these. There's like 16 characters here. Yeah. Uh, Cersei. Lannister. This is an, an intriguing one because she's an extremely intriguing, complex character. So for this one, now you remember I, I went with Joffrey. I, I went with Urban Meyer. So he was the guy that was the face of everything. He was the face of evil in Westeros. And but Cersei was behind it all, pulling the strings and really enabling Joffrey and all his bullshit. And that's why Cersei to me is Gene Smith. Ooh, I thought you were going to go a little bit higher up the ladder and say Jim Delaney. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Close. <laughs> well, my Urban Meyer. Oh, well, my, well, there you go. There's my pick. My Cersei was Urban Meyer. Um, no matter what happened, been through some hard stuff. Um, didn't, you know, if you want to make a comparison to, you know, Cersei having to cut her hair and being walked naked through the streets of King's Landing. Uh, you can probably find a few things in Urban Meyer's story arc that would compare to that, uh, namely from last football season, I'd imagine. But uh, at the end, still there. Uh, all, all, it, all she did was violently rebound from that, and that's all that Urban Meyer did was violently rebound from that uh, in historical every fashion. time. So every every time. All right, Jamie Lannister. As we continue down the list uh, now. <laughs> This one, this one's tough because you know, obviously, the the nuance between Jamie and Cersei in in the show. We won't get into that. We'll let you figure that one out for yourself if you if you've never watched Game of Thrones. I just <laughs> I thought of one in my head because linking Cersei with what my pick for Jamie is, people are going to draw <laughs> some some parallels in their head, and I'll just let them do that. This now this one is is someone that I might catch you off guard with, Jamie Lannister. He was a guy who was at the beginning of the show a dickhead. And he also, somehow, some way, and to credit to the show writers, he became a very sympathetic figure. I found myself rooting for Jamie Lannister. So going from a guy my top who five. seemed like Yeah. So so going from a guy who seemed like uh, how do I want to put that? Like you you didn't like him. He was against you. He was evil where all of a sudden you felt like he was on your side and you were rooting for him, especially with helping Tyrion escape. I think the parallels can be drawn between Jim Harbaugh when he was at Stanford and mentioned, you know, the, the underwater basket weaving in the lack of academic um, class, I guess, with the University of Michigan to come back being Michigan's coach. I find myself rooting for him. I'm going Jamie Lannister is Jim Harbaugh to me. Dude, we have the exact same pick. That's we're we're in lockstep nice. there. Uh, my rationale for that pick was Jamie was once seen as you know a star warrior, a guy who is you know maybe the fiercest battle you know battle warrior so to speak in the land. Um, and then a little bit had some stuff go down. Things didn't shake out as expected and uh, fell from grace a little bit. Uh, he also has the golden hand uh, now, and uh, Jim Harbaugh has a Midas touch. Uh, with quarterbacks. So that was the rationale for my pick there. Uh, 
I like it. We finally found ourselves on the same page. This could be tough, but uh, Daenerys Targaryen of House Stormborn. And this one, this one was also really tough because I, I guess the rightful heir after she had her brother killed uh, by, by the Dothraki. Oh, yeah. Uh, but um, uh, for this one, this is someone who, who I think is a a just queen, wants the best for those, but also still wants to rule. And, and that's why I think uh, Daenerys is Ward Manuel coming in after Dave Brandon and kind of smooth soothing over the Michigan Athletic Department and being a rightful and just leader. I've got uh, Ward Manuel as my Daenerys. Okay. Um I'm taking a little bit of a different route to this. So a lot of, I mean, up until either was it last season or, or the season before that there have been like, obviously the show jumps around, but there's usually like the stuff that, that's going on in Westeros and then the stuff that's going on with Daenerys, like off screen. And you hear legends of who this person is, what they're going to be, um, what they would do as the rightful um, heir to the throne, so to speak. My Daenerys is Dylan McCaffrey, because I feel like we've been hearing about what Dylan McCaffrey is, what he could be since he was in high school. And and we're still probably not quite there to seeing what he can do. We've seen flashes of it. Uh, but a lot of people think that once, you know, this he might be the, the quote unquote chosen one or the rightful one that will finally be, you know, Jim Harbaugh's like chef kiss signature quarterback. So uh, my my Daenerys is Dylan McCaffrey. Oh, that's a good one. I like that because you, you're right. We, we're just hearing things and people in Westeros and, until recently in Game of Thrones had only heard of Daenerys of House Stormborn. So moving on to the Night King. And this one is, is interesting to me because I have a theory that the Night King and the next person on this list are the same person. I so, hate that, but go ahead. <laughs> Well, I I don't have one exactly for the Night King, but I can couple it with our next one, and, and I'll let you go ahead and get the Night King out of the way for okay, you. Okay, well, the Night King, like, took a harpoon and, like, killed a dragon. And to me, like, the dude, to this point, I have no idea how you're going to defeat this guy and his, his army of the walking dead. Um, the Night King is Nick Saban. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Because he just... He just keeps coming back. He's Saban's got a football factory, and this guy's got a way of raising an army that you pretty much can't kill. I like that. That is, that's pretty perfect. All right, there you go. <laughs> couldn't top, couldn't, couldn't top that one. So, Bran Stark is is next on the list. So, I have a theory that Bran Stark, the Three Eyed Raven, uh, is the Night King. I could get into that theory. Not going to get into that here. But Bran Stark for me can see everything. He can see it all, and it, he's able to. I guess he doesn't really have as much power right now, but I think he's going to. And that's why for me, Bron Stark is Jim Delaney. He's the guy who can see everything, you know, everything that's going on. And he's just, he's just got an eye on it all without really intervening a whole lot, though. He has plans, Jim Delaney. All right. Well, I, I'm trying to, Jim Delaney. There he is. Finally. Uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Um, all right, Brand Stark, let's get real here. Uh, pull up a chair. Let Uncle Anthony talk to you for a second. I do not I do not <laughs> care about Brand Stark at all. I think his arc is stupid. I think that um, whenever they cut to his story arc, uh, 
it drags down the show. It is not entertaining to me. Uh, I don't need to go much further than that. Bran Stark to me is Rutgers. <laughs> Game of Thrones has been trying to make Bran Stark happen, and the Big Ten and Jim Delaney continue to try to make Rutgers happen. So Rucker, Bran Stark is Rutgers. Just wait until Bran turns into the Night King, and then you're going to be upset. All right, Ramsey Bolton. This is the guy who threatens Joffrey's reign as the most evil character in perhaps television history. Ramsey is legit a sadistic, you know what I'm saying? Um, Ramsey Bolton, to me, and, and I don't want to give any spoilers for someone who's off my list, but uh, Ramsey Bolton is going to take over and he's good. He's evil as, as you, as you know, and, and I think Ramsey taking over in the evilest sense and leading war. Ryan day is my Ramsey Bolton because of what, of what Ryan day did to that Michigan defense. I, that was nothing but pure evil, nothing but pure evil, Anthony. Okay. Well, remember earlier on how I said that Michigan Twitter was Sansa Stark. And there were times where I was impressed by, um, how not only Michigan Twitter, but Sansa Stark kind of stepped out of their whininess to impress us and deliver some pretty unbelievable moments. One of those moments in Game of Thrones is what, what Sansa Stark did to Ramsey Bolton. Uh, lit- quite literally sick the dogs on him. With that being said, yes. my Ramsey Bolton, and it pains me to even use his name on this show, my Ramsey Bolton is James Yoder. Oh. Just oh. A, a total... Uh, I'm not going to go much further than that. If you've watched Game of Thrones and you know who James Yoder is, the night that he was dunked on and, and Michigan Athletics set the dogs on him was a top five. Given all of the great moments that Michigan Twitter has had over the years in terms of things that have happened, events that have taken place, that was a top five night. So Ramsey Bolton, James Yoder. And- the only thing that that I would disagree with on on that pick is that Ramsey was actually good at what he did. Moving on to Arya Stark, uh, she is the daughter of Ned, uh, the youngest Stark. Or is was her recon younger? Or Brand might have even been younger. Hey, anyway, she was young when the show started. She was someone that wanted to be taken more seriously, and eventually turned into an absolute assassin. And that is why Arya, who turned into assassin almost out of nowhere, is Cassius Winston. Oh, for me. you went you went somewhere else with that. I wasn't expecting that at all. Um, wow, that's a good pick. I like that pick a lot. It hurts, but I like it. Um, so Arya Stark was someone who, I mean, always showed some promise as as a swords. Uh, I can't say swordsman. Swords woman sword Smith. I don't know what the correct term is. Um, she trained with that guy back in season one, but then some things went down and she had to go somewhere else to kind of learn who she is and, and become what, what she is later on in the show. For that reason, my aria is Shay Patterson, uh, because he had to transfer away from old miss. Uh, we'd had always seen promise there, uh, but has, he never really was able to completely put it together there. Sauce, you know, I, I think he was much better last year at Michigan than he had been overall at Old Miss. And I think that the arrow was still pointing upward for him. So um, my Arya Stark is Shea Patterson. That's a good pick, too. 
I I definitely like that one. So that is the end of the list. But I just had I know Anthony, you have a I couple. I just have one actually. Better off the list. Just one. I I just have one. Who is yours? Uh, so, uh, varies. Who is the uh the guy who's always like my Ooh, my, li- okay. my little yep. birdies told me the spider yeah. the spider. Yeah, right. Um, who other than Sam Webb? Like, like the most well connected person. Yep. in the land um, has great one, you know, great one has sources everywhere, uh, and usually uh, pretty much bats a thousand for the most part. So, uh, which isn't batting a thousand if you're it's for the most part, but uh, still, Sam Webb, little birdies are everywhere. All right, so my one off the list in one of the most stress I've ever had watching a TV show. Because I was watching it live at the time. This was one, you know, I, I was on Game of Thrones uh, from season two on. I missed season one, but from season two on, I was on Game of Thrones live. Okay. When the Red Wedding happened, I was not prepared for it in any way, shape, or form. And I've never been more stressed or more upset after watching an episode of TV in my life. So if you're familiar with the Red Wedding, you're familiar with really who perpetrated the Red Wedding. The Lannisters send their regards. Roose Bolton was in Rob Knight's command. He was advising Rob Knight. Roose Bolton took money and joined the Lannisters and stabbed a dagger through Rob Stark's heart and went and took from the Lannisters as he joined up with the Lannisters. And that's why Greg Madison is Roose Bolton to me. I love that pick. That's terrific. Good stuff. I'm still bitter. Yeah. I'm still bitter. The, there are I'm two, still bitter. To me, on that show, there are two moments that um, there's the Red Wedding, uh, but the one that shocked me, I'll, I'll be honest, because I'd seen Red Wedding. I knew something was happening. Red Wedding, obviously, put two and two together. Something bad happens. I did not expect the fight between the mountain and the Viper to end the way it did, as quickly as it did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yep. Um, that's, that's and then the one. best part about that episode <laughs> is that you know you hear the I think it's like the scream, like this blood curling scream of Elia Martell, and then it's just it. You see Tyrion's face, who's like just completely aghast, like you are, and then it cuts to black. No music over the credits. You're just like, what the hell just happened? So yeah. So we've got so we've got these odds here, real quick, before we wrap this up. Who will rule Westeros at the end of season eight, Game of Thrones? We've got some different ones. So Bran Stark is at the top at plus 220. Then you got Jon Snow at plus 350. Sansa at plus 500. Daenerys Targaryen at plus 700. Gendry at plus 700. Then we get into the plus thousands. Uh, Peter Baelish on here, little finger. Uh, probably not going to. I would advise against betting he's that dead. one, Anthony. He's uh, dead, okay. I don't know about like, you. He's but, dead. Uh, <laughs> so we we were asking who are some value picks on here and you have the list in front of you who's a value pick that you might be able I'm to get some you, value I'm moving forward well i'll give you two actually and i they're actually both in the plus 2000s uh, i'd like i'd like cersei at plus 2500 i feel like game of thrones is going to have a dark ending so someone e- i feel like someone yep. evil has a pretty good chance of like being the only one that makes it out of it. Like I could definitely see Cersei and the Night Queen, like pro or Night Queen, Night King, like procreating some like Lannister Night King hybrid like 
super evil baby and they rule the land forever or whatever. Um, that probably won't happen, but everything's on the table right now. So I like her at plus 2,500. I love, let me repeat, love Samuel Tarley at plus 2,000. I think we're in for a little really? bit of a okay. from, from old Samuel. Things are, his arrow's pointing upward, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's, uh, you know, I we're talking value picks here. Like, okay, I like him now, at, yeah, at plus 2,000. Right. Um, one that I like, uh, it, this isn't really a value pick. And if it was any less, I would definitely go with the night King, uh, owning the iron throne because I, like you said, uh, Ramsey Bolton said this to, to Theon when he was torturing him. If you think this has a happy ending, you haven't been paying attention. So that full heartedly, uh, <laughs> uh, sticks in my mind. So it's either the Night King, but let me tell you who the one that sticks out to me as an extreme value pick coming in at plus 7,000, who you just mentioned, Varys, the spider. And let me tell you why. There was, uh, I've been rewatching Game of Thrones to get ready for season eight, okay? There was an episode. Do you remember the Chaos is a Ladder episode? And not the second time, not when yeah. Bran tells Littlefinger. I'm talking about the first time. Littlefinger and Varys have a conversation. Uh, in the hall with the Iron Throne. And before the epic speech that Littlefinger gives about chaos being a ladder, right before that, he asks Varys kind of how he spends his time, and he asks him what he's he's plotting on, and he just gives a look to the Iron Throne and then doesn't say anything else. Varys has survived... Just about everything. He, he's from the the place of the Unsullied. I, I can't remember the name of it. It's not at the top of my head right now. But he has been planning and plotting his entire life. He originally uh, led the campaign to assassinate Daenerys Stormborn and her brother. And then he went to work for her after screwing over the Lannisters. And I feel like he's going to have... Everyone in front of him killed. He's going to find a way to make it happen. He's going to plot it. And Varys is going to sit on the Iron Throne it. plus 7,000. Like That's my value. Um, okay. Well, let's, let's just wrap. Let's, let's go real quick here. Um, this has gone a little bit longer than I thought it would. Uh, but who's your pick? Like he, is he your ultimate pick or is that your value pick? Uh, no, I, I'd say the Night King's my my ultimate pick. I, I really think this show is not going to have a happy ending. I, I cannot force myself okay. to bring it. I think I the no Night King will that. sit on the Iron um, Throne. Man, it's so tough. This Who do you got? Also, this yeah, well, it's, is it's this is tough for me because I think Bran and the Night King are the same um, person. So, he's the odds-on favorite, so to speak, at plus 225. Uh, which is, man, if you were to bet the Night King and the Night King does end up being Bran and that's how it ends, like, what if that, that is a value pick, like, I, as far as I'm concerned, because you're getting kind of two for one there. Um, I don't know. Right. I, it's, I don't think that they'll kill off both Daenerys and Jon Snow. It's going to, something's going to happen with one of them. This entire, I'll just go with Jon Snow. Like, it's the safe pick. And you you know what you you might be right because they went away from the books like I don't know how much George R. R. Martin has 
how much say he has left in it. Yeah. But, but if it was um, him, it would have the darkest <laughs> ending be, you could possibly funny, imagine. It's like the final episode. They're in this big, massive battle with the Night King. And it just cuts to like, basically cuts out like a, like Jigsaw and Saw. And it's just like George R.R. R. Martin flipping you the double bird and it just fades to black. <laughs> that would be, <laughs> oh, be the greatest man. ending in television so history. I don't I even would care. Respect the hell out of it. But, um, all right. Are we good on Thrones? Uh, it does. We're good. We're good. I, I think that wraps it up, doesn't it? All right, so a little fun there with uh, casting Game of Thrones for Michigan Athletics, and that's going to do it for us here on BrewCast. Been a good one here with you today. Before we let you go, as we do always, we'll let you know where we can find us on social media. Chris, start with you. Where can we find you? Uh, You can find me on Twitter. That's at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2014. There you'll find the link to my YouTube page as well. I'm on Snapchat. My Snapchat handle is the same as my Twitter handle. I'm also on Instagram. That's ChrisCastle95. That's C-H-R-I-S-C-A-S-T-L-E-9-5. Putting out lots of content lately. Uh, It's been a lot of fun, as always. The response has just been uh, awesome, and I really, really appreciate it. So uh, please... uh, Jump aboard that follow train, and I'd really appreciate it. Anthony? You can follow me on Twitter at Anthony T. Broom. Follow the show at Brewcast Show. Um, follow, follow Maze & Brew at Maze & Brew. Uh, follow our shows on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Store, pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts. If there's somewhere where you can't find it, let us know, and we'll start getting that hooked up. Um, I'm really interested in hearing what people have to say about the Game of Thrones casting. Uh, I think that there was some some interesting picks in there for sure. Uh, but other than that, uh, yeah, we'll we'll have spring game coverage uh, if it happens. Uh, we'll have a couple guys there, and hopefully, uh, hopefully the weather holds out, and we can just give me a taste, baby. Just give me a taste of that spring football. That's all I ask for. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Giardi, L-U-K-E-G-H-I-A-R-D-I. And as always, follow the Brewcast Show page at Brewcast Show on Twitter. And as always, looking forward to your feedback from the episode. Uh, anything we talked about with, you know, Iggy and Jordan Poole, Charles Matthews, as Anthony said, the Game of Thrones stuff. Let us know how you feel, man. Come in on in the discussion. Uh, we, we don't bite on Twitter, that's for sure. So check us out there. And for Anthony Broom, for Chris Castellani, I'm Luke Giardi. We'll see you next week on Brewcast. Brewcast.